This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. On that note, if you want to donate, if you donate $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. If you donate $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by you with your name at the start. It's also stated it's sponsored by you on social media. If you donate $20, you get everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And if you donate $50, you get everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. You can also donate at buymeacupofcoffee slash craigu, and all of these links will be in my show notes. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok, where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to Bairdo37. And if you like, you can find weekly videos about Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. You can also find transcripts of every episode I've ever done on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. I'd like to mention that I have a bit of a sore throat, so my voice may be crackly and sound a bit different, and I do apologize for that. Well, here we are. Season 4 of From John to Justin. We've looked at every Prime Minister, every election, and every opposition leader in Canadian history, and now it's time for the Governor's General. We're going to look at every Governor's General from 1867 to today, and that means we begin with Charles Monk. As I mentioned last season, for the Governors General prior to Vincent Massey in the 1950s, I'm mostly going to focus on their time in Canada rather than their lives before and after. This is because their time outside of Canada tends to blend more into European history, and I want to keep the focus on Canada for this season. The history of the Governors General begins with a man named Charles Monk. Born on October 10, 1819, Charles Stanley Monk was born in Templemore, Ireland, Charles Monk, the third Viscount Monk and his wife, Bridget. Monk's grandfather had been granted the title of Viscount for his support of the Act of Union between the British and Irish Parliaments in 1800. His family could also trace itself back to Guillaume Le Moyne, who came with William the Conqueror to England in 1066. As a young man, Monk obtained a law degree at Trinity College. On July 22, 1844, he married his cousin Elizabeth Monk. Together, the couple would have seven children, but only four, Francis, Elizabeth, Henry, and Richard, survived to adulthood. In 1849, upon his father's death, he became the fourth Viscount Monk. 
1852, he was elected as a member of Parliament for Portsmouth, and from 1855 to 1858, he served as the Lord of the Treasury under Lord Palmerston, the future Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. In 1858, he lost his seat in the election and decided to leave active politics. Having inherited large debts, he was in need of a secure income, and that was when Lord Palmerston offered him the position of Governor-General of Canada. Monk would accept for, in his words, the money. On October 23, 1861, Monk arrived in Canada, ready to take the post of Governor-General of British North America and the Governor-General of the Province of Canada. The Quebec Mercury would write, quote, the new governor had won golden opinions on all sides from his affable and dignified demeanor. End quote. His family would come to Canada with him, but would not stay throughout his term as governor general. And while they were in Canada, the family lived at Spencerwood in Quebec. As he took his post, Canada was beginning to coalesce into a country in confederation. But the American Civil War was fought during his time as governor general as well. In his first year as Governor-General, a major diplomatic crisis would erupt between Britain and the United States. Called the Trent Affair, it almost erupted in war between the two nations. The Trent Affair was the diplomatic incident that occurred when the U.S. Navy captured two Confederate envoys from a British Royal Mail steamer. The British government protested this action, and while the public reaction in the United States was to celebrate the capture and rally against Britain, threatening war, the Confederate states hoped that the incident would lead to a war as it would help their cause. The British government then demanded an apology in the release of the prisoners. Not wanting to risk war with Britain, President Abraham Lincoln's administration released the envoys, but did not give an apology. After the St. Albans raid in 1864, when several Confederate soldiers looted banks in Vermont and then fled to Canada, Monk would order their arrest. His sister-in-law, Frances, would write, quote, The Yankee papers praised him much of his prompt conduct, end quote. Monk supported the idea of Canadian Confederation, and he would work closely with John A. Macdonald, George Brown, and George Etienne Cartier, who formed the Great Coalition in 1864. During this time, the Quebec Conference, Charlottetown Conference, and London Conference were all held to determine what form Confederation would take. Monk would invite representatives from the Maritimes to meet with representatives from the province of Canada in 1864 to speak about Confederation. He would write during this conference, quote, they have not finished their deliberations, but I think it very likely they will agree to advise a union of some sort. End quote. In 1866, Monk was eager to return to the United Kingdom and his estates, but he was convinced to stay on as Confederation was near for Canada. Around the same time, Canada was dealing with the Fenian raids from the United States. These raids were conducted by the Fenian Brotherhood, who were an Irish Republic organization that conducted the raids to pressure Great Britain to withdraw from Ireland. And while the raids only lasted a few years and they were unsuccessful in their goal, they presented a headache for Monk and the soon-to-be-created Canada. While Monk did help Canada coalesce into Confederation, there were criticisms of him related to his lack of administrative experience. In one case in 1863, a proposal to build a telegraph line and postal service between New Westminster and future British Columbia and Lake Superior would fall through because Monk failed to deliver his input on the matter. The colony of British Columbia had written to Monk on May 1, 1863, but he never replied. In the minutes of a meeting in the British Columbia legislature, it is stated, quote, I presume that for them, whatever telegraphic communications are required with Canada already exist. The only practical question was to continuing such communications beyond their present limit in Canada. I presume that Lord Monk ought to be reminded of the dispatch on this important subject, which appears to have escaped his attention, end quote. 
Canada would not get a Trans-Canada Telegraph service for another 20 years when it was built along with the Transcontinental Railway. In 1867, when Canada was born through Confederation, Monk remained on as the Governor-General, becoming Canada's first ever Governor-General. As Governor-General, he named Macdonald as the first Prime Minister of Canada, and he would also announce Macdonald as a Knight Commander of the Bath. Monk would write to Macdonald stating, quote, I shall entrust you with the formation of the government, but I am most fervently trust you to be able to devise some means for holding together the present administration. End quote. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Monk admired McDonald, although he had concerns over his drinking. MacDonald also greatly liked Monk, writing, quote, I like him amazingly, and I shall be very sorry when he leaves, as he's been a very prudent and efficient administrator of public affairs, end quote. On June 20th, 1868, Monk issued a proclamation stating he wanted, quote, all Her Majesty's loving subjects throughout Canada to join in the due and proper celebration of the said anniversary of the formation of the Dominion of Canada on the said first day of July next, end quote. This created Dominion Day, which today we call Canada Day. On the day Canada was created through Confederation, Monk took the oath of office, swore in the Prime Minister and Lieutenant Governors, and reviewed the troops. He did this not in formal dress, but in plain clothes, something that disappointed Prime Minister MacDonald. The Ottawa Daily Citizen reported, quote, Lord Monk, who was in plain clothes and assumed no badge of office of any kind, advanced to the head of the council table and remained standing while his secretary read aloud the royal instructions, constituting him Governor-General of the Dominion of Canada and defining the duties, titles, and authority of that position. End quote. Monk, for his part, was irritable because Rideau Hall was not ready for him to move into quite yet due to extensive repairs, and he would not live there until it was completed. Monk had first seen Rideau Hall years previous and loved the look of it, in 1867, he would persuade the government to purchase it for $82,000. Today, this remains the official residence of the Governor-General of Canada. Monk would write his son Henry about the house, stating, quote, We are agreeably surprised by this house, end quote. And while Monk liked the house, he and his family did not seem to like Ottawa all that much. The niece of Lady Monk would write in her diary that she was, quote, very disgusted with the squalid look of Ottawa, end quote. Monk appeared bored with Ottawa, and while his predecessors and ministers wore the plume, gold braid, and sword at important events, he would simply wear a business suit, as he did on the day Canada was born. Many in the city felt snubbed by Monk's attitude. At one point, the entire city had planned to welcome him as the first Governor-General of Canada, and a parade was planned for him, but he would decline to take part. The Ottawa Times would write, quote, From that day, whether on private or public business, his Excellency Lord Monk passed through our streets without the slightest recognition. We have no doubt that such treatment was most congenial to his lordship's feelings. End quote. Monk was known to journey from his house at Rideau Hall to his office in the Parliament by longboat, which was manned by the Royal Navy Blue Jackets. On November 14, 1868, Monk's term as Governor General ended and he returned to England. The end of his term as Governor General was greeted with little fanfare. The Kingston Week Standard reported, quote, 
No governor general ever left Canada with less notice of a public kind than his departing excellency. He may not have been a bad governor general, for we know nothing bad that he has done, but he has been anything but popular during his long administration. He kept himself aloof from the people of Canada, not caring to mix with them. End quote. Around the same time, Sir Johnny Macdonald wrote to Nova Scotia Premier and future Prime Minister Charles Tupper, quote, Monk has managed the relations between Canada and the United States with great discretion when the slightest mistake might have created a war, end quote. The Canadian Portrait Gallery would state of him, quote, He administered the government in his country during a very troubled period. Of that administration as a whole, it may be said that he had been marked by good sense and right feeling and by an honest desire to carry out the wishes of the people, end quote. In 1869, Monk was appointed Knight Grand Cross of St. Michael and St. George. In 1869, he was named a member of the Privy Council. In 1874, he was named a Lord Lieutenant of Dublin. In June 1892, Lady Monk would pass away, and Monk would pass away on November 29, 1894, at the age of 75. Overall, there was little in the Canadian papers to announce the death of the first Governor-General. This was noticeable enough that C.J.I. Thomas wrote a letter to the Ottawa Journal stating, quote, Noticing in your issue that Ottawa City is monumentally inclined, now that Lord Monk has just died, I think it would not be out of place, as he was the first Governor-General of the Dominion of Canada, to erect a monument in his memory at Ottawa. Now that Ottawa is in a monumental mood, I hope and trust that she will not forget to pay some tribute to honour to him that held the post of the first Governor-General of the Dominion of Canada. The Toronto Star would write of him, stating he had the genius of British statesmanship, and it would state, quote, in noting Lord Monk's death, editorially says he is not a brilliant man, but he had, like every other English statesman of our time, that training and instinct for public affairs, which are always useful in an outlying state of the empire. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that first episode of Season 4 and a look at Lord Monk. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Biography, Governor General of Canada, Lord Monk and the Canadian Nation, Wikipedia, Colonial Dispatches, Maclean's, Kingston Week Standard, Montreal Star, Montreal Gazette, and the Ottawa Journal. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.